Welcome to the show. Hope everyone's doing well. I'm officially missing a holiday party to record this intro. So happy holidays, everyone. I'm completely in trouble. My wife, not pleased with me, but I had to do it. Uh, We got a serial episode in this week. My guest for episode number 32 is Ty Hillenbrandt, who is the co-host of The Solid Verbal, which is one of the best sports podcasts, really one of the best uh, and most popular podcasts on iTunes. So uh, it's worth getting in. uh, Actually, it's not worth getting in trouble for, but I wanted to keep this short and sweet. We talk about Serial All Things, about its media implications for the podcast movement. We talk about the plot of the show and... Ty is a passionate podcaster, been around almost 10 years, hosting shows, so I wanted to have him on. Uh, you can always find us at InfluencerEconomy.com with all of our archives, and make sure you subscribe on iTunes, please leave a review, and Ryan at InfluencerEconomy.com is my email. Feel free to hit me up, I always respond to people. So without further ado, thanks again for Ty Hillenbrandt talking all things cereal. So... Ladies and gentlemen, everyone, welcome to the show. Excited to have Ty Hillenbrandt, my guest this week, who is the co-host of the Solid Verbal Podcasting. He's been a podcast OG, as far as I'm concerned, and you said you've been been creating shows since 07. Is that correct? Oh my God, yeah. I've been I've been on the leading edge of the whole podcast thing going back to 2006, 2007. It's been a it's been an interesting journey. And now your podcast is always one of the top sports podcasts on iTunes and, and really on the internet. So you couldn't have been a better guest after I told you we couldn't get Sarah Koenig for this show about cereal. Yeah. You were next on the short list because you are a old school podcaster, but also very passionate about the show Serial. It's I'm very passionate about it. I, I do feel bad for you though, because it, it's quite a step down from Sarah to me. <laughs> right. I'm happy to be here. I'll, I'll talk about Serial till I'm blue in the face, but there's no denying it's it's a bit of a step down for you. Yeah, Sarah's now going to Colbert, so right. evidently she's booked. She's in the Colbert Report, but uh, but yeah, I wanted to get you on because this was a a podcast that I had to have because I myself have been addicted to cereal. I've even found myself on the subreddit, which I don't even recommend to anyone. No, never. It, it's a rabbit hole that you don't want to go down. Um, but also, I I find myself listening to other podcasts about cereal, and I feel like the uh, the general perspective is this show is is transcendent in a lot of ways. So we can talk about the media implication uh, or the media implications about the show later. But but first and foremost, I'd love to get into just the theories of the show because I, I'd like to know your take on this. But I think there's three plausible situations. Okay. One is, one is what happened in court, what played out, where Jay helped Adnan bury the body. Adnan buried the body himself. Or I'm sorry, Adnan killed himself and Jay was completely scot-free. What, what do you think about that theory? Oh, man. I, so let, a lot of let, holes. A lot of, a lot yeah, of there, holes. see, that's a problem. There's a hole with everything. My my big theory. I'll give you my one theory. Yeah, give give the theory. All right, my one theory, and I don't know how this dovetails with any of yours, but my my theory, my general feel for everything, is that Anon is not guilty of first degree murder. There's just not enough evidence. I don't understand how any jury could listen to the evidence that we've listened to over the last however many months now and convict someone of first degree murder. That said, I haven't heard enough evidence to clearly exonerate him to know like in the pit of my stomach that he had nothing to do with any of this. So 
That's why I think the ending to Serial was brilliant. The way Sarah Canning put it together was brilliant because she was able to walk that line. You remember when this whole thing started, and I know we're going to get into why this caught on with people, but I think one of the reasons why is that no one knew where it was going. If you watch something like this on TV, if you watch a movie, I think the expectation is always that we're going to come to a happy ending, a conclusion. All the ends are going to be tied up very nicely. With this, no one knew where it was headed, and it sort of ended the way it began. It was never so much to exonerate Adnan or to find guilt in Jay. It was always to try and straddle that line and walk the balance between guilty and not guilty. So I think Sarah Koenig did a brilliant job showing that in the very end and basically establishing, yes, he, he might be guilty of something, but no, he's probably not guilty of first degree murder. Um, and, and all the evidence, no matter where it leads or how it looks, that's probably the best we're going to do. Yeah, I agree. I think that so that that first theory I mentioned is not right. I think I think Jay had more to do with it. I think many people agree with me. Oh my god. Yeah, he, there were when they started trying to poke holes in Jay's story. And you know, it's like it changed over time <laughs> and was he at the best buyer the pool hall? We've never been in that situation. I can only assume you've never been in that type of situation where people are scrutinizing your every move down to the very second. Where were you at X? Where were you at Y? But I got to believe that in the heat of the moment, you'd be able to tell a straight story and you'd be able to tell a consistent story if, in fact, what you're telling is the bulletproof truth. Well, I will, I will, I will say that now I'm mar- I've been married. You're about to be married. Accountability will change in your life. Yeah, well, this is true. So I can't necessarily scrutinize myself. and I've not been scrutinized like Jay was. <laughs> but being able to know where you were at all times when you're with someone who you're helping bury a body, just rule of thumb, like have the same script. And maybe he was so stoned. I mean, that could be a plausible reason. The guy just didn't have his head together. Or he was coached which is a very reasonable thing to consider, especially with this, this character, Don, who is a creeper. I mean, let's be honest, Don dated someone in high school when he was in his 20s. That's a little weird. He worked his, for his mom at Lens Crafters. Yep. And his first thought was, I need to know where my alibi was, or what my alibi was, because they're going to think I did it once the cops contacted him. Right. So when Don got involved, I thought that added somewhat of a new element to it. But in the end... I think Jay got somehow coached. And so my theory is Jay was more involved. I'm not saying this is groundbreaking. He wasn't necessarily the person who killed Hay. And that's another sad thing here is this is an actual person that died. died. And we talk about this in the the broader media landscape about how this is real and TV is fiction. But, But yeah, he so Hay died and so Jay was involved in another way. Or um, the third theory is that there, I believe there could have been a third party involved and that it's Jay, Adnan, and someone else and that someone else will never know about. I, I don't believe it's a serial killer, but it could be that there's a, there's a person out there still who was involved that we'll never know about. Yeah, and it's a shame that it was 1999. 
it's a sh- it's a shame that we don't have the kind of technology we do nowadays because I think a lot of this stuff would have been more easily examined and hopefully a little bit more easily deciphered. I I definitely do not buy everything Jay is saying. His story has been consistent enough to at least give the impression that he's telling the truth, but still there are other holes that that really haven't um haven't been reconciled for me. I've had a little bit of a problem with and and you mentioned in some of our emails the crazy um, serial subreddits and some of the theories Uh-oh. floating around out. Stay, stay away. Stay away because it's a rabbit hole. But there were a lot of theories floating around out there as to why didn't Anon in any of these interviews call out Jay? Why didn't he call him out? Like if this guy threw you under the bus for something you didn't do, why wouldn't you be a little bit more angry about it? And that was something that that stuck with me for a while until Sarah Koenig cleared it up a little bit and said that, well, I think he might want to. But he's cognizant of the fact that anything he says here could be used against him in an appeal. So he didn't want to go that route. It's like you hear that and it's like, oh, okay, now it makes a little sense. So it's just so murky. I have a hard time saying, yes, he did it. No, he didn't. I, I feel much more comfortable saying that everyone's a little guilty of something. This is definitely not a black and white matter. And we can only hope that if there is an appeals process and if some of this information, if there's any new information, if some of that stuff can come to light, um, it's, it's done so in a responsible way that hopefully clears up some of the, some of the gaping holes we've, we've come to ponder over the last couple of months. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I used to listen to it by myself and then my wife, Catherine got involved. We listened to it together and then I couldn't even wait for her. Like I had to listen to it first thing in, in the morning on Thursdays. So let me let me ask you a question because I know your podcast has done extremely well and you're obviously a sharp guy, you know all sorts of things about marketing and and building brands and whatnot. Um how did you find out about cereal? And then what happened after you got addicted and referred other non-podcast listeners to cereal? What what was the reaction there? Um uh, well thank you. The podcast is doing well. I appreciate it. And from a marketing perspective, I, it's that's been a great area that I've really focused on because I heard of I heard of it with my wife, and I'm just gonna we go to bed listening to This American Life on Sunday nights. Sure. And I I, I don't know about you, but I go to bed with podcasts even before I had my own. And so we heard it because it was teased in an episode like a month before it came out. So we heard about it. We didn't really get that in depth. We didn't, you know, wait with like bated breath for it to come out. And then I remember just reading, you know, I follow Ira Glass on Twitter. I'm, I love the shows that they do. And hearing the show was going to come out, we listened to it the first day. And it was so captivating. And what I noticed was there was just more of a, a trickle down effect of more of my casual friends that I didn't even know listen to podcasts were telling right. me about it. And they were emailing me. They're asking what I thought. And... So the friends I told about it, many of them were like, oh, I told them like maybe fourth, fifth episode in, and then they would binge listen. Like I had friends that were going airplanes for work and they would listen to six episodes and come back. And then they would listen to like the Serial Serial like Onion podcast and they were sending me other random articles about Serial. It's like a very addictive thing that I found most people binged and that was one of the beauties of it. Was that it was like the Breaking Bad or the the Wire or these these really good drama 
television shows. And I think that we're in an era of TV drama that has been unprecedented forever. And it really started with Oz and um, The Wire and The Sopranos and all these older shows that raised the bar. And I think Serial fits into that category of hopefully this podcast will raise the bar for the criteria of what people will expect and how they can push the medium in new ways beyond just your, you know, the Q&A format that I do, for example. Like there's so many different ways to be creative creating a show. And so the, the marketing side of it and building the community really was a phenomenal word of mouth thing. And the, and the Reddit itself was the best thing that ever happened to Serial. Because then my friends would get back to me, oh my God, did you see in sub, the subreddit that, that right. they, they oh, found yeah. Jay's photo on Facebook and he's living in California now? And that was the episode before Sarah actually went to see Jay at his house. So he yeah. has moved since then. Obviously, you know, things had hit the fan. So he, <laughs> his, yeah. his, if anyone's life has been drastically changed, it's been Jay. You know, anyone that he knows now thinks he's a murderer. I, I, at least I would think that they've changed their perception in, in, in some way about who Jay is. I don't think that I don't think that they could have ever expected this show to blow up the way it it has. Certainly it's a podcast and there are some barriers to entry with podcasting. Not only if you want to start a podcast, but also if you want to listen to a podcast. There are some things you need to know before you can actually pull it off. Um there there's no way they could have expected this kind of critical reception to what they're doing to to get national No way media attention the way they have it's just been it's been phenomenal what was it they they they, did they have a million downloads downloads the quickest quickest i think it's a million and a half million and a half and then they had a five million downloads the quickest in the history of itunes it's really been an incredible run what i what i find interesting though is um not only the communities that have bubbled up because of this podcast um but also the effect that it's had on other podcasters, as you sort of alluded, people I think are a little bit more inclined now to jump into the podcasting world because they've seen the success of Serial. And you know how it is, Ryan. One thing is successful. People look at it. They examine it. They find out what works, how they might be able to use some of those tricks in their own trade. And now everyone seems like they're they're starting up uh, shows or thinking about starting up shows as a result of serial. So I think I think it's a good thing for podcasting as a whole. I'm curious to see what kinds of new shows pop up. I think it definitely means more shows in the coming year. They might not all be great shows, but probably companies with deep enough pockets to launch a really well-produced show. Those types of companies are going to try their luck at this, and I think that's a good thing for people who like podcasts. Hopefully, you have some more choices as a result of serial success. What was it like for you? Because you're friends with a lot of podcasters, and when you, how did you hear about it? And then how did you see like it reaching a more critical mass amongst colleagues of yours? Yeah, I was so not unlike some of your friends. I was taking a plane ride to Mexico. And before I went on that on that trip, now I do a sports podcast. I love sports podcasts. I choose not to listen to sports podcasts in my downtime. If I'm listening to anything, it's it's something far away from sports that I can escape that bubble for a little bit. Um, but I put out a call on Twitter, and I said, "Guys, give me give me some good podcast recommendations. I'm I'm in the market for no, some non sports shows." And overwhelmingly, Serial came back. 
as the top recommendation. I think at that point there were only like three episodes in, but I annihilated those three episodes on the way down to Mexico and I've been hooked ever since. But what I've found among podcasters is overwhelmingly this almost breath of fresh air, the, the sigh of relief because now something's come along that somehow captured the public's imagination, somehow got a lot of mainstream media potential. And the hope is that people will find serial. People will like podcasts. They will like that they're able to listen to this audio on demand. And maybe they will find other shows that they like as well. Not the same as serial, but maybe it will trickle down and essentially end up giving me some more subscribers. I don't think that's an illogical conclusion. I think that's probably where this is, where this is all headed. Um, but it's probably too early to say. So generally people are pretty excited about it. Just that it's, it's put more of a spotlight on podcasting as an option for people who are in their car or on the go or at the gym. Um, as a whole, people are pretty excited about it in the podcast world. Yeah. I interviewed, this guy near Ayal, um, I haven't posted the show yet, but he wrote a book called Hooked about how to build habit-forming products. And he was saying that, you know, now that you can have your car connected with uh, your Bluetooth and your podcast app, that habit has changed so much that it's more addictive. And you, I found myself like driving somewhere, listening to cereal, waiting in the car <laughs> an extra ten minutes to finish the show. And now with the beauty of, you know, podcasts being more connected with your car, you can actually listen to 20 minutes, pause, come back, drive somewhere else, finish the, you know, the episode of the solid verbal, whatever you're listening to, that we have reached more of a, of a critical mass for opportunity. But, but to use like the phrase tipping, I, I don't think that this is tipped as a podcast. Um, the, the community isn't there yet. What do you think? This isn't the tipping point for podcasting. And it's been it's been in vogue to write about serial as the savior for podcasting or the antichrist for podcasting. Just just write something about serial because that's yeah. the fad. Page right? views, page views. Right. Just write something about it. Doesn't matter what it is. Take a side and go with it. Yeah. yeah. Th this is not the tipping point for it. As you mentioned, I've been doing this for a long time now. It's been like ten years, right from the very beginning. The tipping point for podcasting was not just smartphones. But the point at which apps on smartphones stopped requiring podcast listeners to plug in some clunky RSS feed. That was confusing. Now you can click subscribe, whether you listen through Overcast or Instacast or the podcast app from iTunes, whatever. Nowadays, all you need to do is click subscribe. That's the turning point. That's the turning point. This has been a great engine to get people turned on to podcasting, to get people to the medium, hopefully to get them looking for other things beyond serial that they might like. This is not the tipping point, though. This is just a really, really good, unintentional viral marketing campaign. And it's a big media moment. It's huge. It's huge. And you know this. Everything is going in the direction of on-demand. Unless you're talking about live sports, everyone wants live sports on TV because they can calculate the audience and the demographic and, and God knows what else that that's a bulletproof kind of programming nowadays. But beyond that, 
Look at your Netflix behaviors with the binge watching. Look at some of the Nielsen rankings. Now they have to figure out how to accommodate for DVRs. All sorts of things would indicate that this world is going in the direction of on-demand. So why is our audio any different? Um, and, and podcasting, hopefully now this is the marketing campaign it needed to really get itself over the hump and to turn some people, um, some new people onto it that otherwise weren't interested. But th this has been around for a long time and hopefully the apps will continue to improve. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's the kind of thing that only gets easier for people who are interested. And earlier you had mentioned about the beginning of serial really ended the same way as it started. And so what did you think of her narrative storytelling? I thought it was awesome. And I think, I thought it was interesting when they started, they asked for crowdfunding. They said, hey, if you want to give us donations. And they asked around episode seven or eight that I knew something was up and that they were, my thought was they were worried that people were going to be frustrated with the ending because there wasn't going to be a conclusion. And so often I thought early in the podcast, Jay was painted as this really bad guy, that he was the missing link here. And then they got nothing from him that they had to move on. You know, Sarah and her, her colleague went to his house. They couldn't get him on the record. But for me, I just, I feel like that serial in general, like the fact that it wasn't scripted, the fact that it was real life, there were so many great hooks to it that made me actually addicted like, what did you think of the storytelling and, you know, her job in general as as someone who's crafting this tale? I, I thought she did a brilliant job. I thought it was so well done because it really portrayed the internal dialogue people have when they're trying to determine if someone's guilty or not. This was not a black and white case. It was not black and white. It was painted with many shades of gray. Dare I say 50, but many more. 49 and a half. She did a fantastic job portraying that internal dialogue and showing her own reservations about doing this. That's not something I think we're used to seeing when it comes to investigative journalism. A lot of times people won't report on something until they have all the facts, until something is laid out. And it's almost as if the story has been boiled down to a point where there's no legal liability. In her case, she wasn't saying someone's innocent. She wasn't saying someone's guilty. It was almost watching her journey as she tried to figure it all out. And that, to me, is what made it unique. It wasn't the whodunit angle. We've seen that a million times. But watching her try to figure it all out as she went along to put a human face on that, to me, was that that was what made this whole thing really fascinating. And it was, it was written in a very conversational tone. It was very easy to pick up. She was very descript. It's easy to go down a rabbit hole with all of this legal mumbo jumbo. She did a good job explaining everything ad nauseum. And um, as I said before, I just thought the ending was so brilliant the way they put it all together. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for season two. And so you, so you, you, uh, you and your co-host, Dan, you have guests on all the time. You've been interviewing people on podcasts for many, many years. What did you think about her interviews with Adnan and her general, like, it seemed like there was that great funnier die clip of her. I mean, it's so well done. But, you know, Adnan hit the punchline and one of his bits was, but I speak so well. How could I ever kill someone? I'm so articulate. Like, what did you think about her general in 
infatuation is not the right word, but she was very in, she was pro Adnan and as a person. Like, how how did you think she handled the interview with him and across you know the the twelve week show? I I had a hard time with it for a while, and this goes back to why I think people were fascinated by by the whole podcast. What was the point of it all, Ryan? What what was the point of it? Because when you listen to other similar things, if you watch something on TV, it's like, well, they're going to catch the bad guy in the end. So I think that's that's what a lot of people expected. And when it became clear to me that that's not what she was doing here, that's when I started asking questions about, well, should she really be painting Adnan in, in the way she has? Or is she just looking for reasons to exonerate him? What What is the whole meaning of this? Cause sort of like my double rainbow moment. What does this all mean? <laughs> I, right, right. I, 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 at points had a problem with it because it seemed as if she was really trying to exonerate him. She was really trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. It seemed like, she it was, seemed like the, the, first five, the first five or six shows, she really was trying to make the case that he's, uh, he's, he should be free. She was really trying. But then, as the series wore on, she did a pretty good job showing the other side yeah, of things. Yeah, she did. She, there was a transition, I think. She she really did put a critical light on things, and she asked Anon some hard questions. So I think as a whole, the show was a really good, unbiased look at the at the proceedings, at, at everything that went on. It just took a little bit to get there. Yeah, they definitely could have trimmed it to 10 episodes. I was worried about this show. I was worried about this show after... After episode eight, because as I said, I've, I've turned a, a thousand people onto the show now. What's your residual, uh, your what, what percentage of the, the Yeah, I'm not, I am not on the payroll. I, I wish I were. Is it a lead gen for you or just a... <laughs> but um, I was worried after episode eight. I said to my friends, where is this going? I, I have no yeah. idea where they can go from here. And I, you could kind of feel like it was slowing down a little bit. But then episode nine came out and it was great. It was great. Episodes 10 and 11, you could kind of feel it winding down. And then 12, I think yeah. 12, she did a masterful job tying everything up, putting it in, putting a nice bow on it and, and moving on. But um, I, I was worried for a while. I didn't know how they were going to get more episodes out of this. And I'm glad that they didn't try to get more. I think they ended it at a really good spot. Yeah, there were definitely moments, though, where I felt like they stretched it out. But I also felt there were moments where, like, I was listening in my car when she went to go see Jay. And I remember, like, having this, like, anxiety in my, like, feeling it. Like, what the hell is she doing? Like, she's confronting this guy who we think is a killer. Because at that point, she was painting the picture that Jay totally did it. And and then she left, and she's like, well, I was that was a dick move, you know? I think that like those those human moments. I felt like their side banter was great when she would talk to the the guests or, or th talk to her colleagues about the show. And I know it's it's interesting, right? Because Startup is the other show that spun off of This American Life, and that's very much the internal dialogue of starting a company and raising money and branding yourself. But there is something about like the open source nature of podcasts now, where you let people in, and they're not only interested in the story of what's going on they're interested in you crafting and creating the story and right. i think that's like i think that's a bigger phenomenon really that you know the honesty that you get from someone plugging in their earbuds and you listen to their show regularly is it's so much of their personality coming out that it's not just even about 
like Mark Marin, you love listening to the like I don't, he just re republished the Louis C.K. interview. Yep. Because Slate did the top list of podcasts ever, and that was number one. And you listen to the show, and it's the audio is not as good, but it's so much of Marin's insecurities as a human being. <laughs> you know, interviewing his friend Louis C.K. that I love, and I think that. You know, your, your show does a great job of that where you're talking about college sports, but you're talking about like your, your life. You know, people make fun of you on Twitter about stuff or like you guys are very much like tongue in cheek personalities that, and this is why podcasts work because it's almost like you peek behind the curtain and you get to hear Like it's like yeah. your show, you and Dan, you see the banter going on on the show that if you watch sports there, you would never even know these guys were friends that were the co, you know, the right. anchors of the show. Like, what do you think of the intimacy well, of the medium? It, it, it's a- absolutely, and this is something that I've I've been on for a long time. Audio is a much more intimate experience than uh, I should say. Podcast audio is much more intimate experience than just passively listening to terrestrial radio as you drive to work in the morning or or home after your workday. Um, it is a voluntary action to go and subscribe to a podcast, and. People expect some sort of connection, some sort of connection. They expect that human element for most of these shows when they hit subscribe. And that is something that, um, you know, you can, you can look across sports because I, I know it pretty well. There are huge shows on ESPN radio that just cannot get any traction in the podcast space. And it's because they really don't paint that side of things. They really don't paint the human element, the insecurities. They don't give that look behind the curtain. Those shows are shrouded by their production quality. There are other shows. You mentioned Startup, Serial, our show. I mean, not that I should even put ours in the same breath as those because they're so brilliant. But though they are produced and um, recorded and, and put on with a very high level of uh, of audio quality and detail. Um, we never try to produce things so much so that you lose the, those insecurities, that human element. We recognize that that's what makes the experience more intimate. That's what makes it so addicting for people. Um, we never want to lose that. So that that is something that I think people are figuring out now. One of the other things that people are figuring out with Serial that it doesn't need to be super duper produced up FM radio DJ anymore. You can get a ton of traffic to your show if you're just honest. Just be a person. And if your content is interesting and if you've got a personality that resonates with people, you're going to find that you're going to do pretty well in this space. Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, this has been great. This show had to get done. It was uh, yes. It was bothering me that I didn't talk about. So cereal. who did it? Who did who did it? Was it Jay or was it Adnan or was it some third party? What what is your official company line? Uh, I think that it, my opinion changed. The first opinion was that Jay did it and pinned it on Adnan, and then now I think Adnan and Jay did it together. The complexities of how they did it together, I'm not entirely sure, but Jay was there for the crime. And then I think his story changed because he realized that if he snitched, he would get potentially you know, lesser, lesser crimes against them. I don't think he expected to get completely off, but that it was easy to pin it on Adnan 
so he sold him out. And Adnan, I think, is a religious guy. This is my own opinion. But I think he has trouble being the proper person to his parents. Like, he always talks about his parents and the community. That at this stage in the game, he can't go and say he did it. That he, ha- he has to, like, suffer with the decisions he's made and stick with the story. And so he's never going to admit that he d- was a- more part of it. Jay's never going to talk again. And unless somehow this DNA comes back with some sort of conclusive evidence, it's going to be the same story for the rest of these guys' lives, which is a sad thing to say. But yeah, I think that I think they both did it together. Right. What about you? I have a hard time. One of the great points, one, one of the uh, eureka moments for me was at the very end, episode 12, one of the producers, I, I forget her name, she brought up the point that if Adnan's innocent, he's really unlucky. And I thought that was such a logical point. It's such a good point. Not to say people don't get unlucky, but the confluence of events that would have need to have occurred for him to be totally scot-free innocent in this seems extremely far-fetched. So I think I'm with you. Some combination of Jay and Adnan is what ultimately did this in. We will see what happens if that DNA evidence is ever tested and if it ever sees the light of day. But um, until proven otherwise, I got to believe they were still in on this together. It just it, where there's smoke, there's a lot of fire in this case. And I I find it hard to believe that Adnan's completely innocent. Not He's not guilty, by the way, of murder one. I, I, I don't think in the court of law you could ever say that he is guilty of murder one, but um, he's probably guilty of something. And unfortunately, we'll never know exactly what that is. Yeah, I agree with you in your first statement that I, he should have been acquitted from the first trial. He, there's not enough you know, evidence there. It's all one guy's testimony, Jay's against him. Um, but in general, I mean, that's the thing about his lawyer. She totally screwed up was that she didn't really ask the hard questions when Jay was on the stand. And... The first trial had a mistrial because they didn't. She thought something happened where I think someone said that they thought she was a liar, or she thought there, there was some. She screwed up. Essentially, she didn't have the right presence of mind. And then the second trial, she seemed like she was out of her mind, either sick or needing money or both. Yeah. And so he he did have a lot of bad luck, even if he's not the most unlucky guy in the world. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's, it, it was fascinating. I, I'm. This is why you, this is why I'm very curious to see now. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm saying this is why I avoid Reddit because I could talk about this for like five hours, but yeah, <laughs> there's so many rabbit holes to go down. I, I hope that their first episode of season two dives into the process of picking the case for season two, because you know darn well after all of the attention that serial got. There is going to be a lot of interest, not only from the general public, but probably people who have been wrongly convicted to get their case in front of the public like this. I want to know what their process is for picking the next case. I think that would be probably that'd be a great sub podcast altogether, but they could probably do a really good episode to start season two talking about their process for picking these cases because I'm sure they're filing Absolutely. In. They're getting inundated with cases like crazy right now. I got to believe it. Yeah, totally. Well, cool. Well, thank you. And uh, I w- wanted to say that you, you're you going to South by Southwest, correct? 
yes, we will be there. Um, I should probably have the date handy, but I don't. Dan okay. and I are going to be doing a a live podcast on a Friday night. Um, from I believe uh, I don't even want to get the venue wrong, but we'll be in Austin on a Friday night doing a live podcast uh, for South by Southwest. We'll be there with Andy Staples from SI.com. And then we've got a, uh, an unnamed mystery guest that we're going to bring out and, uh, and have be part of the festivities. So should be a lot of fun. Anon Syed is going to be Anon. That's right. Anon Syed is going to be our, uh, our mystery fourth guest. <laughs> um, cool. And, and then check you guys at uh, solidverbal.com. Yep, we're at solidverbal.com. You can find us on Twitter at solidverbal. I'm on I'm on Twitter at Ty Hildenbrandt, T-Y-H-I-L-D-E-N-B-R-A-N-D-T. It's long. Um, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash solidverbal. Basically, if you just go to Google and type in the solidverbal, you can find all of our hotspots. It is uh, the busy season for us because we've got the college football playoff coming up here. In a couple of weeks, we will be down in Dallas to um, break things down from uh, from Radio Row, which is a first for us. We're pretty excited about. And uh, if you like college football, you should check us out. Cool. Will do. Thanks for coming on. Mm-hmm.